The dead dive. What, Captain Hollister? Everybody's dead dive. What, Todd Hunter? What, Selby? Not Chen. He's dead dive. Everybody is dead. Everybody is dead dive. Hello everybody, welcome to Everybody Is Dead Dave, the show where one long-term fan of Red Dwarf and one person experiencing it for the very first time work their way through every episode of the Space Set sitcom. That long-term fan is me, Phil Hawkins, and the newbie to each episode is always Adam. That's me, hello, fresh newbie, still working, I consider myself a fan now, but still technically a newbie, there's a lot I need to see, but we're getting there, we're getting there. And we sometimes like to invite an extra voice onto the show as a guest reviewer, because you know, it's always nice to spice things up a bit, and what spices things up more than a threesome? Uh, That's a a threesome for the purposes of talking about science fiction comedy programmes, nothing else. Yes, we, we, we keep it we keep it clean on this show, or relatively. So, so our, our third this week is none other than pop culture YouTuber, the Doctor Who broke canon master himself, Mr. Davis. <laughs> hello boys, hello boys, watching some sci-fi I see. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> hello, yes. sir. As um, per... What's your experience of Red Dwarf before we asked you to come on this podcast? Because we have a mixture of people as guest reviewers. They're not always people that have watched it for years. Some people have watched it a little bit. Some people have watched it not at all. Where do you fit in? I'm definitely more on Adam's side of the camp. Uh, <laughs> this is I'm no stranger to episode-by-episode review podcasts, mm-hmm. uh, but this is the blindest I've ever gone in. Oh, this wow. is the first full episode I've ever watched. No oh, okay, way. so you've never seen a single full episode before you watch this one. You've seen clips. I thought I had seen clips but now i'm questioning even that i think i had just <laughs> seen adverts or maybe like like a, a sofa commercial or something yeah <laughs> that's true they, they've been in a commercial recently actually i think was it for aa breakdown cover or something like that oh i think God, they, they did a uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah where starbuck breaks down and the aa comes out and helps them fix it oh, well i'm the expert of that i, I know that <laughs> pretty well but uh, <laughs> this it's all new well, territory for me. Well, hopefully, if you have any like continuity questions as we go through this episode, <laughs> ho- hopefully one of us should be able to fill you in. I, I mean, the, the main one thing you need to remember with Red Dwarf and continuity is that wow. it ignores its own continuity on a weekly basis, even it more really... so than Doctor <laughs> Who. So yeah. I was about to say, it really didn't strike me as a show with a mythos. No, yeah, I well, mean, it does some, have some these t- random things. Yeah, sometimes it'll remember, like, the most obscure point, and it's like, yes, this is our law, but then, like, one of the biggest, like, plot shifts in an episode, the next week they'll be like, yeah, that, that happened, and we'll just forget about it now. Right. So, and yeah. I, I, th- I think when it comes to sci-fi and the obsession with law, comedy shows, and Doctor Who is included in that, really gets away <laughs> with being nudge-nudge-wink-wink, you know? Yeah, yeah. We're being cheeky. We're being cheeky. So... That was, yeah. That's always a winner. Always a winner. I made a web series around it for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> this week, we are up to the series six finale, Out of Time. Um, I'll read the bit of a blurb off of IMDb. Starbug enters a fog in space containing devices that create false realities, where the crew find a time machine, and then they meet themselves 15 years in the future. Wow. Wow. Um, hmm. this is probably, I would say, the most dramatic a season finale has gotten so far. What do you think, Adam? I'd, I'd agree with that. I mean, for m- most of the ones so far, these first six series, like, 
there's maybe been like a lot going on in that episode, but they've never really felt like finales. Like they're truly, I guess, serialized in nature. You know, it's very much its own self. It's not resolving a plot thread. It's very much its self-contained thing. This one's a bit more expansive. Um, still not definitive, I'd say, but we'll get into that later. But yeah, it definitely feels like the most finale-ish episode we've had so far. Yeah, it, we left off um, last week um, saying that it, it felt like a little bit of a cliffhanger because mm. they had they had done a bit of time travel last week, um, Sam, and they what had happened at the end of the last week was that they had travelled a couple of weeks into their future by accident and mm. found out that something had happened to Lister. And then, then they hopped away back back to their own time. And that was kind of left at that. Which, apparently, when scripted, had absolutely nothing to do with this episode. But does, in fact, end up tying into it quite nicely. <laughs> yeah, at, as far as finale staging goes, that's pretty Yeah, pretty but it was just all pure coincidence. <laughs> like, they had scripted the episode separately and come up with the story separately. And that was just a throwaway gag at the end. And they actually recorded a bit at the end of the last episode where... They think something has happened to Lister because he's not there when they go a few weeks into the future. And then they hop away and then they recorded a bit where Lister then just comes out of the loo. Like nothing nothing was actually wrong with him. And it was only once they'd scripted this episode that they decided, actually, that ties in quite nicely with what's, what the future version of him in this episode is. So let's leave it as a bit of a kind of tying in. But it, it was just pure coincidence. It's your yeah. kids, Marty. Something's got to be done about your kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like Absolutely. this thing, it doesn't go anywhere, but then does go somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. How did you find the, the opening of this? Uh, do, were, oh, were you... How, I loved did, it. did you think the comedy was strong in it? It got... As, as my first glimpse into... Uh, into Red Dwarf, I was so relieved that it was actually sharp and funny. <laughs> like, I'm sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, like that from the first scene. As that's my first bit. I, I'm sure someone said it already, but dry, sharp, and corny is such a specific combination that it's very Blackadder. Yeah. Yes. Rimmer, Rimmer, especially Rimmer is a Blackadder character doing. Rowan Atkinson style delivery. Do you know what? Now that you say that, like I can, I never thought that, but now that you've said that, I can see it. Absolutely, Big time. absolutely. And, and everyone else is Baldrick. <laughs> yeah, just everyone. Yes, yeah, definitely. And they, they're so they, they are similar in like many of their characteristics. Now you say it. Now I think about it because they're both absolute gits to other people constantly. <laughs> and yeah, the dry humor and everything. Yeah, that is a good shout. Being yeah. very theatrical and intelligent about being a git is my form of comedy, and uh, us Brits are quite good at it. As we it turns are, out. <laughs> we're just a horrible nation. So <laughs> that's why. So this episode starts off with Rimmer appointing himself morale officer, which is basically just an excuse for him to vent his concealed frustrations with the rest of the crew that he's been holding in and literally lets rip into all three of them one at a time so good. <laughs> so good i'm stealing that for my personal life <laughs> you're just, just going to suggest to your like your friends around the dinner table like hey, let's have a grievance meeting um i'll start <laughs> and i'll close <laughs> off as well actually yeah have we gone? Exactly. Have we guys yeah um apparently uh he tried to attack lister with a fridge yeah, Previously. that was a, that was a line uh, about trying to insert the fridge into Lister somehow. Um, yeah, that didn't... provokes quite an image. Um, mm. Yeah, I don't know. This whole I, I like the insults that he spouted out, but 
I, I found like the whole, oh, there was parts of the opening segment for me, at least it took a little while for it to get going for me. Like a, one recurring joke I have on this, Sam, is I often say, oh, there's like a comedy bit, but it goes, in my opinion, it goes on for too long. That's like a recurring joke. I, and, you know, comedy subjective. Yeah. We've all got different takes on it. And it wasn't that it was too long. There were just bits that were really like the insults when he's going around the morale meeting. I love that. But the bits mm-hmm. like just before and the bit just after before we get like the alert that something's happening were just a bit flatter for me. It's like we're on a on a flat line. Then we shot up during the morale meeting and then we just came right back down. That was for uh, me. I, anyway, I can see but... that. I can see that being the thing of the series. But Adam, they've, already, they've got 30 minutes to fill on, well, on one we, we set. Do, on we do one acknowledge set. this. Yeah, on one <laughs> set. We do acknowledge this as well. Like we do, we do forgive a lot of it, don't we, Phil, for like time constraints and like the nature yeah. of the format and things like that. So I like that yeah. aspect of it. I'm guessing it's a show that isn't really known for location shooting. <laughs> yeah, they not, do. Not they, massively. They, they have no. ventured out a little bit. Like the first couple of series were all on the ship. They did not leave the ship. Yeah. And then they they from the third series onwards, they would have a few episodes where they'd go to a different ship. So it's still studio based, but a different yeah. set. Yeah. And then you know. They have the occasional um, location filming. They had a kind of Wild West themed one uh, earlier on this series that obviously was recorded on location in a Wild West looking town. So they do do occasionally, but it is very heavy on the recurring sets. Yeah, lockdown viewing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. One thing I liked about uh, how Rimmer was in this scene is that, as well as it being quite strong comedy, I thought it tied in quite well thematically with with what happens with Rimmer right at the end because it's it's like the polar opposites um into and I'll probably talk more about it toward when we get towards the end but because uh, he how he acts at the end is so counter to how we're used to him acting that it I think it really shows a a, a sort of character growth in him and I sure. think this scene here is there to emphasize and remind us what what he's like most of the time yeah. so that that hits again a bit harder later on it helps sure. newbies like me out as well yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah within three seconds you know this guy's a git you know <laughs> straight away <laughs> so vampire the... git robot git okay yeah got pretty it. much <laughs> <laughs> so the ship enters some kind of stellar fog where mm. um they don't know what's going on what's happening and lister is injured there's a big shaking of the ship lister is injured and they take him to the the medical section and start to look into him and it turns out he's a droid Crichton realizes he's a droid and Crichton is very annoyed that he's been serving an earlier model than himself someone that technically he outranks (laughs) yeah and i thought that was great like robert llewellyn because because normally on this show uh Crichton is quite you know, he's very, in a way, polite. You know, he's always will- willing to serve. He's, we've sort of said, there's moments where he comes across as like the C-3PO of the series. Okay. Um, but just to see him f- flip like this in the presence of a... We haven't really seen that before. Like the flip side of how offensive it is, like you say, Phil, that he's serving, in his mind, a lower rank. I looked up to you. You encouraged me to break my programming and ape human behavior. Now I find you're no better than I. But worst of all, the most bitter pill to swallow, for four long years, I had to hand scrub the gussets of your long johns. So I thought it was a great uh, chance for Robert Llewellyn to sort of flex his muscles a bit. You know, not just doing the great Crichton's a good servant sort of thing he normally does. What do you, what, what do you make of Crichton? 
Sam? Well, I, I only just got that it's probably a reference to Michael, right? Michael Crichton, sci-fi writer. Oh, true. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah Westworld, like androids. I was just thinking, yeah, Crichton Westworld, discovers yeah. an android. Shocker. That's what he did his whole writing career. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, we'll uh, have to wait for a di- dinosaur to appear next, because wasn't Michael <laughs> Crichton Jurassic Park as well? Oh, listen, there's a whole other podcast for Jurassic Park. <laughs> we'll oh, save that. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a great cynical little writer. And uh, I like the character. Of course, I've been watching Star Trek Next Generation for the first time recently as well lately. So I was just like, ah, he's Data. Ah, he's Data, right? But, but I, <laughs> Phil, Phil's you're telling tricky, me. So he'll have to... Yeah, right, right. yeah, they're, they're, but, uh, there's <laughs> probably crossover there. But uh, yeah, he's... On the uh, bar he's... of C-3PO to Data, we're, we're in the middle. <laughs> Help me out. I'd say edging towards C-3PO more than... Uh, okay. Than think. He expresses emotions definitely a lot more than Data does. Got it, got it. Despite constantly saying that androids shouldn't express emotions, including in this episode, he says that. Uh, he, he shows quite a lot of them, especially here where he's getting frustrated and annoyed that he was, you know, made to serve someone who was, uh, or made to, has been serving someone that ends up being an inferior model. Yes. He's the cattiest of all of them. Uh, and there's yeah, a character oh, called Cat yeah. as well. Yeah. And he's even cattier <laughs> than him. Yeah, Cat has his moments. But one criticism we've had, I think, throughout when we've done this podcast is sometimes we feel Cat out of the four maybe doesn't get that much material compared to the rest or he just gets like oh here's like you know a quirky one-liner that's either like a, an ego remark or a snide remark but you know not much else whereas the other three tend to get these like character pieces like you said at the start Rimmer shows off how how much of a git he is Crichton shows off his his cattiness and his resourcefulness Lister undergoes his whole thing as well whereas cat well so far anyway we haven't seen many episodes that where cat's like the main focus really um yeah. you're six seasons in it, well yeah i mean has yeah. has there been one where he's been like the number one focus i don't know if he um i don't like know if the he's necessarily been the number of... one there have been episodes where he has had a stronger bigger role like the gunman of the apocalypse one he he fo- i think he i think i said in that that he, he they focused on him a bit more uh, yeah he's never been like the main focus i don't think but i think this series he has gotten a lot more to do than he mm. has had in previous series and they're starting yeah, to use him a bit sure. more here so that's quite yeah. good i just want to ask sam sorry before you carry we carry on with the story when this revelation happened that you know list as a robot considering this is your first episode did you feel this was leading up to a punchline or were you just taking this as like mm, all right this mm. is what's happening i was convinced it was a gaslighting prank and (laughs) i I thought the entire plot of the episode was a gaslighting prank even beyond the android bit until the ship disappears a little bit later and then i'm like oh right no no this is all legit apart from of course he's not a robot Um, (laughs) adam what did you think what did you because obviously you've gone this far in the in the show but you haven't seen anything past this so did you was there even like a, a little bit of a Oh, maybe he is a ro- has been a robot there, this whole time. There, there was a like twinge of it, yeah. Because in my head, I was thinking, oh, but this if they do it well, this could be quite an interesting idea to play with and like run with. But then the longer it went on, part of me was like, no, I I, I know this show by now. This is probably a gag or it's not real. And sure enough, yeah, <laughs> you know. And he gets him doing all the sort of menial tasks now because he's what I don't get is quite why Lister went along with it, like. Lister's yeah, there's no resistance. Like, there's, there's literally no, no resistance. resistance. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's just like, oh, yeah. okay, then. Yeah, I'll he's go not normally like that. Very outspoken. Although I've got to say, one of my 
potential funniest lines was when, you know, they're saying, oh, we've got to tell him. And Crichton's like, I'll do it, I'll do it. And he's like, oh, yeah, so, you know, do you remember about your mother and father? He's like, no, no, I was found in a box under a pool table. And Crichton just says, yeah, but did the box say kit or paint before assembly? <laughs> or so? I, I don't know, man, that creased me up. That was such a good line. That was good. Crichton often gets some of the best lines he does. in this show. Just every week, he seems to get the best lines. Um, and I think a lot of it's down to um, Robert Llewellyn's delivery because he's mm. and, and his facial expressions just add to it. He's like later on because he gets him to do these. He gets him to make sandwiches and tea for everyone. Um, he gets him to give up his cockpit seat, and he, so Crichton gets to sit at the front and. He even criticizes him when he brings in the things you call those triangles. Um, and then they realize what's going on. and They've been for a reality pockets. And I just love the look on Crichton's face as it dawns <laughs> on him that actually he's not a robot. And he's just yeah. been really rude to, to someone he's programming tells him that because he's a human, he's meant to serve. And it's just like his guilt and just the facial expressions are brilliant on that. It, it is a weirdly dark idea as well. Now, and I know it's not the first, far from the first sci-fi thing to be, wow, you're not really a human at all. All along, you were Blade Runner man. Uh, but but <laughs> yes. just the, the, the really flippant way all of the crew turns on him. Even though it's yeah. a small little comedy bit, you're like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, this show does that on occasion. It has these like weird moments that are obviously drenched in comedy. But when you break it down, it's like, this is actually quite... <laughs> Quite a dark concept or quite a horrific concept, but That's been they always played off lightly. Yeah, yeah, they always do. They always play it off quite well. Yeah, they hit a few more pockets. So mm. the cat kind of well, he doesn't he doesn't disappear for us, the audience, but and no one else can see him initially. They're like, "Where's the cat gone?" And then suddenly they start to forget who the cat is. Mm. And gaslighting. Yeah, I can Once see why again, you, so... your mind went to gaslighting throughout yeah. all of this. He's just there going, guys, I'm here. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. and the, the, but they pass through that and then he, he's back as well. And then, l like you say, the ship disappears around them and they're just in their cockpit seats with yeah. no physical ship around them just floating through space. Very surreal. Oh, I love the animal heads. The oh, animal the animal heads. Because yes. that's just, that's classic. Like, we're just going to throw in some. It, I know it's like really lol random humor, but I don't know. It tickled me a little bit. One, so. one for the furries out there. <laughs> How dare you expose me this way, Phil? <laughs> <laughs> they uh, they come into a plan in the end of how they're going to get through this because they want to get to. The, all this field is. All this fog is protecting something, some kind of derelict in the middle of it all. And they want to get to it to salvage it because they need supplies and things. So they, Crichton comes up with a plan that he'll put all the organic people into stasis for three days, which is how long it's going to take them to get there. And none of this reality altering stuff will seep into the stasis. It's kind of just sort of a nice wave away, kind of like, okay, we're done with all this reality altering stuff. Let's move on to the next bit without having to. Absolutely, um, yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. I, I liked that. I don't know if every episode is like this. I loved that it couldn't sit still. It, it was so <laughs> blasé about these big sci-fi plots. You can tell when the, when the episode just gets bored of them. It's like, well, oh, yeah. Bad this bit, happens. bad bit. Yeah, on this the next happens. one, next bit. <laughs> yeah, this this yeah. joke has run its course. Let's move on to the next it's concept. so honest and refreshing. But but that's the thing I was wondering with it being sci-fi and it's doing fairly high concept ideas every other second. Uh, it, you never get, like, stuck in the, in the sci-fi uh, 
nonsense talk of all of it. Yeah, like the techno babble or anything Thank like that. You. It's just yeah. that's, my, that's the word. Yeah, I think most time it gets away with it. There was one, I, I think it was last week when they were were dealing with like wormholes and you know like how wormholes work, like you know how time moves at a certain pace on one side compared to the other, hmm. and um, obviously that concept to a to people like a, a sci-fi nerds, you know, we, we get how we're, do you know what I mean? We're more familiar with the concept. Yeah, these but we were saying, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we were saying though for a general audience, the explanation it gave, obviously again, it's working within a 30 minute format. It's got a race along. We thought it did it all right. I think we said, didn't it? Maybe not as clear as, yeah. As some, I, yeah, I mean, I it's hard. entirely you know? clear what they were, what they were saying the explanation was. And they ignored episode, it as well. They, Cause yeah. they're like, oh, when you go through the wormhole, it's going to be like 600 years before we reach it. And then, Rimmer's the one who goes through it and he time passes but then the others arrive in like five minutes it's like okay so you've just ignored the principle you've just said but again as <laughs> as you said earlier it just it gets away with it because it's it's sci-fi mm. comedy and it it doesn't really care so yeah. it, it, it's jumping from sci-fi trope to sci-fi trope and I think that's why I could keep up with it so much yeah but even if I was a kid I reckon I would I reckon I'd be pretty into it on a plot level yeah well I was um I was eight when I first saw this, so mm-hmm. I was watching this series when it when it went out for the first time, and I was eight years old, and I loved it. It was I loved Red Dwarf at that point. I hadn't seen all of it because I, I was too young when the series started, but by the by the point it got to this bit, I was fully hooked. It was great, which I'll come to a, a frustration with that at the end, but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I think Adam might know what I'm going to talk about yeah, there because I, uh, so. I have mentioned it before. But uh, so they eventually get to the um, to this derelict in the middle. It's a space core experimental time travel ship. They find out. Um, Adam, we yes. was it just me or is this? Are they reusing a model shot from something? I'm I swear it looked really familiar, I but that, I couldn't yeah, place it. it. Did. I think it did. I mean, they reused the same model shots in this same episode. There was one shot of Starbug that I noticed they used twice, just like, you know, a panning shot. And, like, I I think the model is reused from... I yeah. couldn't tell if it was maybe, like, from bits of, like, the hollow ship or, or some other bits like Something that. Something like that, isn't but, it? I'm I mean, sure. It, but it, it's the it's, BBC. It's the, yeah, of course. Yeah. It's on screen for such a short amount of time, and we don't get to see inside of it. It's another pretty much hand-waved thing. It's like, oh, look, there's the derelict. Next scene. Oh, yep. we've gone onto the derelict. We're back again already, and we've got a time machine. <laughs> That, just like that pretty much just it. like that yeah simple <laughs> uh, the crew of the time travel machine we we find out apparently died uh, by time traveling to the 20th century and catching influenza which seems very surreal <laughs> yes. listening to that now i mean almost prophetic <laughs> who'd have thunk it who'd have thunk it but yes it very odd to watch there was an episode earlier, Sam, we watched called Quarantine, and you can imagine what we felt like watching that. That was uh, that was an experience. <laughs> very good episode, but yeah, very, very weird when they're talking like, oh, you've got to isolate in this chamber and you can't do anything. And so, yeah, th- <laughs> this felt... Al- yeah, the yeah. show's already about cabin fever, so that, that's uh, nuts. True. Yeah. <laughs> that strikes yeah. me as crazy. So, obviously, get hold of a time machine. You're going to want to test it out and time travel. So they time travel to the 15th century. They do. But, it, but it's not a space and time machine. This is no TARDIS. This, no. this just <laughs> puts you exactly where you are, just in a different period of time. So they're in the 15th century in deep space, three million years away from Earth. 
<laughs> I love that reveal and like how Crichton delivers the line. He's like, oh, it's deep space in the 15th century. It, it's such an easy, obvious joke when yeah. it comes to space and time travel, and it's such a funny one. It's yeah, always, it whenever is. I see it in sci-fi stuff, I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's good, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> that's good stuff. It's not got old yet. Yeah. Yeah, so they pretty much give up on that and think it's useless. But but then, once they return to their own time, they pick up uh, a craft, a small craft, on their sensors, mm-hmm. and it's Starbug. It's it is. Starbug from the future. Cue the reuse of model shot. So- yes. <laughs> Crichton doesn't want to communicate with them initially, because uh, which is very consistent with his attitude last week, when he was very cross with himself. Uh, yes. crossing his own time stream and communicate like when they last week they accidentally traveled in time like by a couple of weeks and ended up like well, well no they were just they were just that was a different episode that was a virtual ah. reality thing um <laughs> this was just they they were on starbug and there was them two weeks in the future and there was other Crichton was like i can't believe you did this Crichton. you know how dangerous this is and so this is very consistent character wise with that i thought him being like very much no we can't interact with them but he does come up with a an interesting plan which is that he will lock the others away so they don't interact with them and he will wipe his mind after he's interacted with them because they're sending out an sos mm. they might need some help so he, he just sort of comes up with that plan and that's what they're going to do um, again, again, Philip, you're the you're the expert here. That is directly lifted from Star Trek: The Next Gen, right? Uh, is it? What the? I, there is there is definitely a time where all the crew have to wipe their memories, and Data is, has like the big secret, and he can't tell oh, anyone. That does and ring then, a bell. And he wipes his memory, or he wipes everyone else's memory. Look, I'm just saying this is a well trodden ground. Yes. <laughs> I think you might oh, be right, oh, although I think it's been oh. like a decade or two since I've seen that episode of Star Trek. So, <laughs> Adam, Adam, I'm not sure it is a coincidence. This is, <laughs> this is a direct <laughs> Star Trek rip. <laughs> yeah. Red Dwarf does like to reference back to other things. I although, love it. No, though, yeah, I, this would have been. This came out in 1993, I think was the mm-hmm. when this one came out yes star yeah. trek tng had been on for a few years then so it's uh yeah it's hey, definitely as possible. one of my lecturers at uni taught me he says the thing is he says in this industry geniuses steal he said and i was like okay i was like morally morally debatable but sure basically with the idea that yeah there's no such thing as an original idea and that people who steal yet adapt are clever and i'm like oh well i got that one too at uni yeah did you yeah 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 yeah, yeah. see it's a common (laughs) one (laughs) i i really like with red dwarf just from first impressions it strikes me as so comfy uh, it combines mm. the comfiness of Star Trek. Star Trek is the most like, heartwarming, like nice, safe space place show to mm. be, and then it combines it with the comfiness of like sitcoms or like like British comedy, where you just feel so comfy all the time, even when everything's going to hell. Yeah, so it's just that's a good love. summation. Cozy, I like cozy. That. Yeah. It's a nice like cozy that. show. <laughs> and one thing we've said about it before is that. And this is a thing with British television, particularly as opposed to American television. In American television, they want their stars of their show to be almost perfect. They want them to be the people people want to be. But there's a tendency in British shows to be more like uh, people with flaws. These these are people that, you know, <laughs> yeah. every single yeah. one of this crew are people that you go, oh, for one reason or another, Lister's got disgusting habits rim is a git cat is vain you know Crichton is far too um a 
subservient to other people. They've all got yeah. the, these flaws and nobody is the perfect dashing hero. Um, I, I would, yeah, I, I'd go as far to say that all British comedy is primarily based on, ah, it's like get, you know, from work. Let's make shows about that, that, that complete piece of trash, you know, in real <laughs> life. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's why all British comedy is so miserable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just focus on the absolute so worst true. of us, like, but like the most worst mundane of us. And the fact that they've applied that to a sci-fi show, it just makes it all the funnier. Yeah. And there was a, the, the Americans did try and do a remake their own version of red dwarf there is an american pilot that was made and i've only ever seen clips of it me and adam at some point are going to watch it in its entirety and react to it um but the clips i have seen basically they turned lister into a han solo dashing hero type person uh who's got like you know the very 90s swishy hair and uh charms all the ladies and no scouse accent yeah he's well american (laughs) accent but uh yeah and it and it just does not work it you know he needs to be the slob, and it yeah, it's very mm. strange watching. That'd be clips that'd be that. funny for a gag, but for, for like if that's yeah. the new yeah, they've misunderstood the basics. It sounds like yeah. Um. So the next thing that happens in this episode is that Crichton has communicated with them, and he comes back in to the to where the the others are, and immediately he's like very teary and very soppy towards Lister, and we know something is up with that mm. um what did you guys think what what did you what was going for your heads at that point i obviously i knew what was going to happen because i'd seen it before but you two hadn't so what what were you yeah. thinking might be up feel free to kick it off sam I'll no no I'll, 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 i'm bouncing it back to you obviously nicely done um well in the last episode like the it literally ended as phil said like they've traveled a bit into the future and Rimmer says, oh, we're just wondering what happened to Lister. And then the episode literally ends. So when Crichton comes back in crying, I'm like, okay, he's either in in the future, he's either dead or like horrifically, you know, maimed, altered in some way. So, and you know, that turned out to be correct in Pretty some spot form. On. Yeah. yeah. I thought, I thought something was going to happen based on that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, everyone looks a bit different because they do come over. Oh, Sam. They yeah. Do. What did you think? What, what did you think was going to happen? Did, did you? pretty much i was expecting or? i was expecting like a if you've seen the show community or i guess rick and morty even i was expecting like an evil timeline version of them all mm. <laughs> that's that's my that's my basic i mean that story. is kind of also correct in a way they are they are much worse <laughs> are skewed, we, we were just yeah. talking about how you know they are they all characters with flaws and who are the you know the gits from work as it were but they are so much worse in the future i mean they're they all just... come back in yeah, go on. That is true. They're, they're less responsible, but they're also less jaded. Uh, like this group seem like friends. This group actually <laughs> have true. fun. This group do the sci-fi show that every other sci-fi show does. They do all those stuff. That that, that group, they are Doctor Who, which yeah. is really yeah. funny. Yeah, <laughs> and they don't. And Red Dwarf crew don't get to be those guys, so of course they'd be the natural enemies. So yeah, clever. yeah, they all look very different. Uh, Rimmer's gotten fat, which quite how a hologram gets fat, I'm not entirely sure. Or old. Or old, or, you know, grow facial hair, or any of these things. I'm, I mean, imagine he could program himself to look like that, but I'm, you know, it's... it's, it's Don't know why he'd want to. Cat yeah. uh, is also quite old and going bald. Uh, Crichton has a very, uh, very interesting suit on and a toupee. Yes. And Lister's a brain in the jar. 
which looks exactly like the brain in the jar from Brain of Morbius, the yes. Doctor Who story. I don't know if anyone else <laughs> saw it. As soon as it appeared, yeah, but it, like the brain in the jar, like the liquid, the look of the brain, I was like, the B, like if they still had it at that point, you know, they definitely went in the cupboard and said, look, there's our brain in a jar. Let's just use that. So <laughs> the episode yeah. just broke character and we were like, Morbius? Morbius? Yes. That's one for your broke canon series. You'd be like, Mor- Morbius crossed over into Red Dwarf. Yes. <laughs> Love it. So I feel like all the future versions themselves just look like the Comic Con versions of the actors <laughs> 20 years later when they all just start coming in but at the same time they're all just so much cooler than their original counterparts like the, yeah they, they do got... the obvious joke of oh you're you're big now but it's yeah. like it's your all the, our main cast are still the losers in the worst yeah. time in the they, worst they, time maybe. Line, yeah. i mean do you, do you i mean yeah they go off and they live a life of luxury but are they really cool i mean they're they're such <laughs> condescending <laughs> I mean, they do come in with a, they do come in with a swagger though. Like when the end, all of them, even though like you know, Rimmer's a bit bigger and Cat's old or whatever, but they come in with like, I, a sort of like domineering presence, I guess. Do you know what I mean? It's like they're not they're not timid about meeting their past selves. If anything, they're like confident and so I sort of so I sort of get what you mean. Yeah. If yeah. I have to, if I had to follow one group of them. Uh, to continue the show, <laughs> I think most people would pick would pick them. Well, oh, the future versions of them to get a more conventional as, as they go off show. and have yeah. uh, dinner with dictators and the Hitlers. <laughs> yes, th- I'm yes, telling you Hitlers. that that's a fun Doctor Who variant. <laughs> Another reference to Hitler in this show. There, there's a lot of ref. They like to come back to Hitler quite a lot, which I suppose you know he's a, a big figure in history. So. Um, but he's featured in several episodes now as Hitler in yeah. one form or another. Um, yeah, I mean, I I took an instant dislike to this group of people. Like, I <laughs> I did not like them. They were condescending, smug, um, just general snobby attitude. And of course, they like to dine with um, with um, genocidal maniacs. So you know. <laughs> Well, that, what what is it he says me. about Hitler? He says something like, "Oh, you know, you just got to avoid talking about politics, and it's fine. <laughs> it's their work. Avoid talking to them about their work." <laughs> yeah. And uh, and as we learn, Hermann Goering is apparently, and I quote, "a bit dodgy." So, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, just just a little bit, you know, that just tiny bit. But, yeah. the party boys. Yeah, party yeah. Boys. <laughs> the others are listening in, and they, they've managed to rig a system to listen into what's going on and see what's going on um to all of this and initially when they're looking at like oh who's who and stuff uh, i think it, it, rimmer looks first of all lister sees these ahead in the jar and he's just like oh no rimmer looks and laughs and cat's like what is he fat <laughs> far from it <laughs> he's lost a bit of weight actually that is One the most blackadder joke i've heard ever uh, i'm sorry that, that just is the most blackadder <laughs> joke i can think of Absolutely. Um, that th- they're here because they want to look at the time drive to get some copies of some components of it because theirs isn't working and they they can't they can't face the prospect of not being able to time travel anymore because it's now they've gotten used to sampling the fine luxuries from across time and and space. They've clearly solved the space issue which <laughs> the others were having. They can go to yeah. different times. Maybe and, and, there there was a line about oh you know if you coupled it with a faster than light drive you could you could do it but we don't have one so um 
So clearly at some point in 15 years they find that. But the others aren't happy with all this, so they bazookoid their way out of the room and tell their, basically tell their future selves to get stuffed and get lost. Which I, you As know... You do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so, some, then... some more high ground for us sitcom characters. It's, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. all too rare. It's all too rare. They they can't... They, they're, they're with me. They can't stomach uh, the idea that their future selves will be dining with Hitler. Uh, yeah. But they... The other ones aren't having having any of this, and they start attacking and threatening. And basically, yeah, saying, the you don't. the epi- the epitome of logic there. Let, as our few, let's attack our past selves and potentially kill them because that's better than what do they say? Like living like rats. Or it's like better than living in this show. It, yes, <laughs> yeah, it's better than living like you do. <laughs> yes, I love that it's ragging it's just, on itself, and even just from the first episode, it's self self deprecating. Yeah, I had to laugh at first when this happened because Starbug's being attacked again. And another recurring thing we have in this show, Sam, is this little ship they're on, Starbug, is practically indestructible. It's mm-hmm. it's crash landed. I don't know how many times. The amount of times they've said, "Oh, the systems are beyond repair," and then all of a sudden we're flying I, again. Sci-fi comedy. I think last week they even were. Uh, what was it when they crashed? They were like, "Oh, the auto repair can fix most of this." I was like, "Wow, auto repair!" <laughs> there, there we go. So when they then when they were getting attacked, I mean, like, "Oh, this is breach. That's breach." In my head, I was like, "It's fine. The auto repair will fix it." We so. can't show the outside of the ship. We can't show it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, no. yeah, we don't have the budget to do that. We don't know. <laughs> no. But the uh, what I liked about it, so this is where Rimmer comes in with his character growth because they're being threatened, they're saying they're going to blow him up, and usually this is the point where Rimmer would go, "We surrender," because he does this all yeah. the time. You know, they encounter a hostile force, and he's guy like communicates to them and Red Dwarf to so and so, "We are this, we 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 completely surrender," and he's the one that wants to run away. He's the coward. But here he says, "I say we fight better dead than Smeg," and. I was like, I gave a, li- I gave a little mini cheer for him then. What does I was that like, mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Smeg is like their their little like made up word yeah. that they use, like it, it basically yeah. insult that they use for okay. each other, okay. call each other yeah. Smegheads, that kind of thing. Right. Um, so it's yeah. it's the language Get, of the show. Got it. It's, it's a great line as well. Getting dangerously close to some weird imagery there. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Sorry. Sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, he's called no, Rimmer. No, no, I, he's called I, Rimmer. He is called Rimmer. I think sorry. I made this point on the very first episode, didn't I, he Phil, is. about Smeg and all that. So Yeah. Well, it's I like see, a rite of passage. Smeg can also be short for something quite disgusting. Um, yes. But, yes. Uh, but whether or not, I mean, the writers of this show claim that that was a pure coincidence, mm-hmm. that they came up yeah. with this as an insult and did not realise that there was a, a slightly longer word that could theoretically be shortened down to that. that it is a something. funny word. It's a very yeah, funny is, word. Yeah. 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 Good choice. Good choice. Yeah. So I was I was cheering for Rimmer there. I like the fact that he got that character growth and that he you know he didn't wasn't his usual coward self and run away. So go Rimmer. Go Rimmer. Oh yeah, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, but of course they're massively outgunned, so they all start dying. <laughs> but for the twenty minutes I knew him, I was really yeah, you know you... what it was a massive turnout. I was like, yes, Rimmer. Yeah, yes. <laughs> <Lister> dies. They <laughs> um, yeah. dies. They all mm. die. And then Crichton it... is is saying something very important that there may be a, and then dies. Yeah. 
it, it, rem- it, it reminded me, this is such a deep cut, but when I was a kid, right, I loved some of the Jerry Anderson shows, you know, like Thunderbirds and Captain Scarlet, things oh, like oh. that. And we've said constantly, the model work on this show evokes Jerry Anderson so much. Um, but this scene where they're all dying, there's a Captain Scarlet episode, and I apologize for the deep cut, where, you know, they have like their bases in the clouds, right? They've got like a, a sky base, basically. Yeah. And for whatever reason, I can't remember why, but it's being attacked. And like one by one, all the different colored members, because, you know, Captain Scarlet, Captain Blue, all that, they're all being picked off one by one on cloud base. They're all dying. And of course, it's such a weird moment because like this is your standing set like Red Dwarf is. You know, this is the familiar space. It's the safe space. Mm. And then seeing the familiar characters die in that is really weird. Now, in Captain Scarlet, it turns out it's all a dream or it's, you know, it's not real, basically. So when this was happening, I got that same feeling. It was really weird. I was like, this no, feels unnerving. Every, like... every sitcom has a hub. And like, yeah. I mean, even Doctor Who does. When the TARDIS gets invaded in the in the new series, at least... That's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. man. It's, yeah. It's very invasive. So it felt like that. And, and and part of me thought in my head, I was like, well, this is a comedy. I was like, is are we going to get the whole, not necessarily, is it all a dream? But, you know, are we going to get some sort of punchline? Are they all going to be okay? So I was quite surprised about how this resolves in this episode anyway. So Yeah, or doesn't resolve. In, or does, or doesn't, the case you know. Maybe. Um, because Rimmer, I think he's realised what Crichton is saying because he sort of has this look of, like, realisation on his face. He goes, grabs the bazookoid, heads down to, presuming, like, the engine room. Yeah, he fires at a bit of equipment, which I, I think is meant to be the time drive. Although, I don't right. think... But they've never shown us the time drive before this. So how we're meant to know this, I don't <laughs> know. But I can only presume, just by logical sort of working out the yeah. deduction that's the word i'm looking for that it must be the time drive that he's shooting there yeah. uh, and starbug <laughs> after six series has finally been destroyed yeah because i don't know if he shot the time drive before the ship was destroyed by a blast from the other ship who knows what came first i'm not i'm not entirely oh sure not this again Hand who shot, shot first <laughs> who shot first bloody hell <laughs> But yes, uh, and then to be continued. To be, is this our first uh, to be continued? I think it might be. I think it is. And um, well, the, I feel bad for that, like yourself, those who watched it at the time, because audiences had to wait three years. I had to wait <laughs> for the next episode. Three I, the real, the real years. pain. I can the hear the pain. pain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bear in mind, like up till this point, the series had been made like every year. So I guess back then, for I know you said you joined on this series, Phil, but maybe for mm. those who watched it in series one, this must have been, you know, when they saw that, they thought, all oh, right, you know, same time next year then. And then it didn't happen <laughs> and it didn't happen again. Yeah, I'd gotten into the show maybe again. about a year before and maybe seen some of series five and series six. I was like, new show. Great. I love this sci-fi comedy show to be continued. Oh, that's really exciting. What's going to happen? Keep waiting. And back then as well, without the Internet and everything, I didn't have any information about when the next series was coming. So I was just like, I, where is it? Where, Like a year later, <laughs> where is it? <laughs> Another yeah. year later, it's still, where is it? <laughs> the miniature it, wilderness years. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Is, is, is there a reason why the gap... Because I know with the, we mentioned before, with this series, Series 6, a lot of the scripts they said were rushed because it was a case of the BBC... BBC were like, hey, this show's doing well. We want uh, we want more of this after series five. And I think, what was it? The creative team were like, oh, well, we want, either want like a break or some more time. And they were like, no, no, you, you will make this show like now, like for, for us next year, yes. So, yeah, it's um, really weird that the BBC went from 
doing that to to from from commissioning series six and going no we need it now it's so good like we we want it really quickly after series five so yeah. then going and the next series after you've yeah. left a cliffhanger don't worry about it just i just wonder what the decision you know, was for the gap like it was it the bbc was it the production team i like, don't know um I, I was seeing if i can see anything on the um trivia section of imdb but I can see it must have been painful. At least when the classic series of Doctor Who ended, it wasn't, well, sort of was, but it wasn't on, like, such a to-be-continued cliffhanger. Like, there was sort of a no. closing of the book. It was open-ended, but it was, it was, it felt It like wasn't to-be-continued. Yeah. No. I-, I can sense the childhood resentment still in your voice, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> I get it, I get it. Still not over I had that, I had that with Futurama specifically. Oh, that was yeah. the show that was always ending. But as a kid, and no, and little internet usage... It may as well have been gone. <laughs> That's it, yeah. Uh, that show, didn't it get cancelled or, like, rumoured, like, three or four times or something? Mm, like, ev- Or was it every series they were like, oh, it's good. It, this is it. This is the last one. And then well, they'd make another. They did something really interesting. It, rather than ever doing a hard cliffhanger like Red Dwarf has, uh, they, they would do, like, soft endings for the show. They were like, if this is it, then this is a nice, cute, sweet ending to get on it. They always ended right. it with a nice, cute moment. And I just can't imagine that from this show at all. Well, so, so we they did have to- that. We had it once, Series 5, I'd argue, where they sort of got out of whatever the situation was. Do you remember, Phil? And they were like, right, onwards to wherever next. It was literally like that, like mm. Starbug flying away. Do you know what I mean? It was very soft then. in the sense like they'd, they'd escape the danger. And they were like, right, onwards to new adventures or whatever. And that was it. So I'd argue that was, yeah, that's like a soft ending. So I found out the reason why there was a big break, and it wasn't oh. the BBC. The BBC wanted another series pretty much straight away. Um, the hiatus was caused, because up until this point, um, Sam, every episode was jointly written by uh, two writers, Doug Naylor and Rob Grant. And this series marks the end of their writing partnership. So the, it says here, the hiatus was caused by the end of the Grant-Naylor writing partnership and the Red Dwarf chaos that followed. So basically, oh. they had a massive falling out, the writers, and eventually one of them returned and then since then it's just been him but i can't remember which one it is <laughs> i think uh, it's grant ne- i think it's rob is it rob grant or is it i can't remember yeah, yeah. and then yeah. they both went on to write novels um set after so after this series finished that's when they wrote the novels but they both wrote like basically two different continuities of novels <laughs> from uh from this point onwards so um there are which me and adam have uh, are in the middle of reading the first one of those novels so we will mm. do an episode on that at some point did, did you take one for each writer and <laughs> uh, not yet <laughs> we, no. we, should, we should have done that would have been interesting <laughs> Yeah. And then you've got Adam over here being like, actually, no, he was really onto something. He <laughs> yeah. like, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. That'd be, that'd be hilarious. Yeah, so that's why. And then, yeah, so, uh, so this was the end of the writing partnership between the two, and that's why there was such a big gap. Right. Uh, and, uh, and I guess in a worst-case scenario, they would have just remained dead, and their final yeah. thoughts being they had a little glimmer of hope, but then they died. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, like like this could have been the last Red Dwarf episode ever, potentially. That's what like Hitchhikers did. Potentially. That, Hitchhikers, mm. um, spoiler, 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 <laughs> kind of ends. Douglas Adams ended it with just, I'm just going to kill my characters now. 
Was that the, la- the last Douglas Adams written book? That's mostly harmless, yeah. Yeah. It was so, so diver- di- divisive. And then, who was it? Um, oh, I'll never pronounce it. Uh, yeah. Ayo- you... Yeah, the Welsh name <laughs> that I can't Wow. <laughs> Sorry. We're doing, we're doing so well there. Apologies <laughs> to Wales. Apologies uh, to Wales. Ever, but, loads of people gave it a shot after, but yeah, yeah. especially that guy. <laughs> Ian, yeah. yeah. Owen Colfer. Ian Colfer. Uh, okay. okay. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> redeemed of wales <laughs> redeemed <laughs> so yeah that's that's the episode um uh, we do a couple of regular features on the show where we pick out our favorite character and our funniest moments so favorite characters first what was what was sam what was your favorite character in the episode uh rimmer just won me over from the opening scene i have to be honest that really set the that's tone fair. really nice and quickly and because blackadder is my go-to english comedy i can think of I love seeing stuff like that pop up. There you Brilliant. go. Adam? Uh, I'm going to give it to Crichton in this one. Um, I love Robert Llewellyn anyway, but um, sort of like what you said, the material he's got is good and he just makes it even better. Like the uh, paint before assembly gag, the uh, deep space 15th century gag, his reaction when he finds out the future, the whole thing with the onions mm. in the kitchen. It, like, it's his I just... episode. It is totally his episode. Yeah. yeah, and he's had a few of those, but he always, whenever he gets an episode, he always, like, excels with it. I don't think we've had one where I've gone, like, oh, yeah, that was a Crichton episode, but it was a bit of a, you know, a bit of a dud from his end. He, it, it was so good, so, yeah. Yeah, there was, a, there was a run, wasn't there, where for about four episodes in a row, yeah. both of us picked Crichton for our favourite character for four episodes running, because he was he just He just so had good. the best lines. He had the best stuff. But um, what about you, Phil? Who won it for you this time? I'm, I'm going for Remmer as well. Um, slightly different reasons. Reasons. less so for the comedy although the comedy was good but just because of that um, and because i've been watching him throughout the whole series now six series just the character growth in this one episode to the fact that he that i literally sort of punched the air almost when when he was brave first of all and then when he goes to save the day by himself when everyone else is dead i was like yes go rimmer um, yeah. So absolutely, Rimmer, uh, for that reason, uh, is my favourite character. Solid. I'd like to change my answer to a future, future lister, the the brain in the jar. The bra- <laughs> I did wonder if somebody was going to pick brain in the yeah, jar. Yeah, I will, I will. Morbius was my favourite. Morbius, yeah. <laughs> secretly Morbius. <laughs> and, and by the way, I have to say thank you for bringing me on for the timey wimey episode. I don't know whether that nice. was intentional. <laughs> was, this, was that intentional? For not, not particularly. No, pure no. coincidence. If this cliffhanger well, doesn't resolve with a Moffat-style Big Bang Doctor Who, <laughs> or we did something before before the before we all died, and then timey wimey reasons were all fine, I'll, I will be shocked. I tell you. Well, uh, Phil might remember the answer. I do not know <laughs> the answer to that one. So uh, yeah. I mean, we have had several episodes now where um, where the season has ended on a kind of not in a. It's never said to be continued. But yeah. something has happened, and then at the very beginning of the next episode, they've either completely ignored it, or they've given us like in what at the beginning of in like was it one series line. two, <laughs> yeah. was it the series two yeah. when we got the scroll? Yeah. They did a Star Wars style scroll text scroll at the beginning of the episode that went by <laughs> so fast that anybody in the nineties would not have been able to read it. We can only Wait, really read it now because we can Was that part it. of the joke? Was that part yeah, of the joke? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, okay, but I take also, it completely back. That, no, they're they're going to skip over it for sure, right? <laughs> they, they, they absolutely probably, you know, that 
that was something they would do because in this text call episode they basically said all of the things that happened at the end of the last episode they happened and they gave like a quick blurb like oh yeah and this is why we're never mentioning it again because this also happened and this also <laughs> happened and this also happened and this is why Crichton looks different now and this is why we've got a different yeah. Holly and <laughs> and all sorts of things like that and it went by so fast and no I swear nobody in the 90s would have been able to read it it's only because we can pause it and have still have a crystal clear screen now that we can see it. Captain, yeah. Captain, we're stuck in sitcom purgatory. <laughs> yeah. It's hard. So, are. given that, Adam, do you think how do you feel, how do you think they're going to resolve this? Um, I, I, I mean, we it literally could do anything. Maybe it's like a alternate diet. Like, if it is the time drive that rim a shot maybe it shoots them either into like an alternative dimension where they're alive or it shoots them maybe a bit back in time before the explosion but i i don't know could be anything keeping an open mind on that 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 last bit was quite intentional i know we didn't know any of it was a time drive i just learned that 10 minutes ago but but, but including (laughs) that bit tells me that there there might be some sort of solution Yeah, yeah definitely definitely and so the other regular feature we have, funniest moments. Um, what was the thing that made you laugh the most or you just found most funny in the episode, Sam? Ooh, give me a second. Because yeah, I don't want to repeat one of the ones we've already said. That's the thing. You can. That's fine. We do <laughs> yeah, that sometimes. Yeah, you can. Yeah, You're yeah, more than we welcome do. to. The, the box, found in a box, was hilarious. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> also, I, I mean, it wasn't a joke, but I just found it funny how... Like most of Cat's lines in the episode were just talking about things he could smell and talking about his. He kept talking about his nose. Yeah. <laughs> and I know that's for plot <laughs> reasons, but it's like, dude, what? Stop talking about your <laughs> nose. Please. It's did weird. you get, as someone who's never seen an episode before, did you get that he's meant to be the, a future evolution of a cat? So the cat's you know, <laughs> domestic what? house cat. He, oh. This is. Okay. So <laughs> basically. Lister went into suspended animation for three million years. The rest of the crew died on on the big ship, like massive. There were thousands of people on there, um, and because they used to have a bigger ship, and they lost it. And uh, and he had a pet cat called Frankenstein, mm-hmm. who happened to be pregnant and didn't die in the radiation leak, and so went on to have descendants and descendants. And after three million years, the result of cat evolution is the cat that we have in the, as a main character of this series. So I'm going to say, no, I didn't predict that. <laughs> <laughs> not all of that, but you didn't get the general gist that he's meant um, to be a, a cat, like not a cat really. creature of some kind. No, I thought he had good good smell because he was a vampire. <laughs> it's go. the teeth, isn't it? It's the teeth. I absolutely was convinced he was just a space vampire and that was part of the joke. And it wasn't a sci-fi <laughs> thing. Really? Am I... Si- oh, my God. No, no, no. Now that when you say space vampire, I'm like... I mean, yeah, for someone who, like, came completely fresh. I, mean, I thought like, he was just, like, a the- cartoonish vampire hang. It may as well have been, like, a Scooby-Doo mummy or something. I, I thought that was the joke. Okay, ignore me. Oh, but <laughs> no, it's fair. I- I'd like to take, uh, take back what I said at the beginning that it- about this show having a mythos. I stand corrected. <laughs> as, a, as a little bit, tiny bit. Yeah, it has a mythos. It just is happy to completely ignore it when it's convenient. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, not absolutely. a consistent one, but th- that was quite a detailed, funny origin. What What was your funniest moment, Adam? Uh, it's got to be the, the whole... We're still where we were. Of course. We're still in deep space, sir. Only now we're in deep space in the 15th century. <laughs> just that, that reveal. Like, like you said, Sam, it's a very obvious joke, but... 
when done well like that, it really works. And yeah, it just, I, I mean, the audience clapped, but I, yeah, I was laughing for quite a while. So yeah, that's got to be it for me, that gag. What about you, Phil? Um, mine has to be Crichton's realisation that Lister is not a robot. And just that <laughs> dawning look on his face as he realises, and it's basically a, oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> look on his face. Yes. Um, that was that was it for me. That was that was the thing that got the biggest laugh. Good. good um, what about marks out of ten? Uh, how, if you had, we uh, they used to be. They're not on the show anymore, so this is also not going to make sense to you. But on the, when they were on the bigger ship, they used to have these little robot things that went around that were called scutters. So we mark out of ten scutters on this yes. show. So how many scutters out of ten would you give this episode, Sam? I guess what I'm going to have to do it on first impressions the whole show, aren't I? <laughs> uh, yes, <laughs> I'll give it seven and a half point five, seven point nice. five scudders. Nice. It's the sort nice. of show I would definitely watch if it was on. Um, but I'm not extending a BritBox trial to to, <laughs> to finish it. Uh, to be fair, that's a hard metric. I wouldn't extend my BritBox trial for, for any show. <laughs> but uh no i liked it a lot i liked it a lot i like the the really blasé tone to it um it this episode and i have to assume all the episodes just go through so many different ideas in just half an hour that honestly i have to wonder what's left for the other six seasons of episodes like what are they all about because this did like so many core sci-fi ideas in I mean, so no so time. far in our journey, like, well, with me being a newbie to it, I th- I'd say out of what, so si- out of thirty six episodes so far, I think there's only been like two or three, hasn't there? That I that I think I've considered like duds or ones I didn't yeah. enjoy. To so so yeah, like you're saying for for this show and its concept, that's that's quite impressive so far. Mm. Yeah. What about well, we've you, still Adam? got like fifty odd episodes more to go, yeah. so we'll see how we'll see how long that lasts. But uh, for me, um. I've actually given it the same as Sam, 7.5. Um, as I said at the beginning, it was sort of a bit up and down for me in terms of like the comedy. Uh, but again, that's just that subjective. Um, I thought the stuff, there, there were just points where it felt like not slow, but it just felt like a bit meandering, I suppose. Like it was just a lot of a lot of talking, which is fine in a, in a sitcom. But um, yeah, but the last 10 minutes I really liked when the future guys come in, the... Obviously, the to be continued is quite tantalizing, and I want to see how it resolves. So, not the strongest series finale or strongest seri- episode of Red Dwarf I think I've seen, but yeah, a solid seven point five, definitely. If, if I can point. just quickly off that, if, if it's striving to be a series finale, like if it's trying to be dramatic, even just in that last five minutes, if it's yeah. trying to me, I think it flubs it a bit. Uh-huh. Yeah. But but I also don't believe that's what the show's true intentions are, so it's completely fine. No, I don't. Think, I'd, I'd, I don't. Yeah, I probably would. You, it's probably not like the what was like the core of their thinking. You know, like oh, we need to make this a drama. Do you know? Well, like I, saying, I like, kind of yeah. think of it as uh, almost a send up of those overly dramatic. Oh my god, everyone's dying! I'm the last man standing type things. It's very similar to the Borg episode. That that, that huge iconic cliffhanger with Picard, right? I best of both worlds yeah the, the really really big one it, it seems yeah, like yeah. a play on that specifically to me okay. i need to try and get into star Trek no no, no, references. Yeah, yeah, no, no these references go right <laughs> over my head i know oh, what the Bo- i know what the borg I'm is that I mean, guy we, now for two we've, different we've sci-fi seen, shows <laughs> now nah, we've all seen that clip haven't we like I the borg so, yeah. and all that so yeah but yeah that's a different show 
What about I, you, Phil? I'm going to give this slightly higher. I'm going to give it a... Oh, what am I going to give it? I'm, I'm teetering between 8.5 and 9. Um, oh, okay. I really liked it. I'm going to give I'm No, I'm going to give it... No, I am going to give it a 9. I'm going to give it a 9. I really liked it. And I, the thing that clinched it is is the Rimmer stuff that made it hit my, hit my favourite character as well, because I really liked that that character moment for him. But overall, the episode had some really funny moments. It had um, some great sci-fi concepts. It didn't waste... I don't think it wasted any time. When it needed to move on, it moved on moved on swiftly. Um, and I, I love a timey-wimey story as well. He, well. I mean, we're all Doctor Who fans. We love timey-wimey stories. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I Yeah, I'm going to give it a nine. Not my highest score, but uh, but quite high. Still, it's pretty solid. Solid choice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, do use the comments below to let us know what you thought of the episode and uh, and what what you would have scored it as well. Give us your mark out of 10 as well. But that's it for another episode. Um, thank you for joining us, Sam. Thank yeah. you for the invitation. Yeah. Um, well, do promote whatever you've got to promote. Where can people find you on the internet and find your content, as people oh. call it? And cringe. Oh, I'm fine <laughs> with content. I don't aspire to make anything more than content. So here's some, here's some <laughs> schlop, you know? <laughs> and you can find said schlop on the YouTube channel Davis. D-A-V-I-S. And if you there just you type go. in Doctor Who or Broke Cannon, I'll come up in some form or another. For those that don't know what Broke Cannon is, give, give, a, give a brief <laughs> summary of what Broke Cannon is. It's a massive send-up of uh, people who pretend that law and continuity is like really, really important and the basis of their enjoyment into the media. Because we all enjoy a bit of escapism. We all like playing with canon and getting into that stuff. But if you ever really go into it deep and dissect, hang on, none of this makes sense. That yeah. is a lot of fun to be had, and that's hopefully what I'm at. Great series. It is. It's very, very funny. Um... Brilliant, thank you. Uh, Adam, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on YouTube at Adam Martin with a Y. That's my half-Welsh heritage coming out there. Um, but I make videos on a variety of topics. Doctor Who, now that's what I call music. Uh, classic TV, idents, presentation, just whatever I'm interested in, quite frankly. It's, it's done me all right so far. So you can go and check me out there. Also, give me a follow on Twitter at Adam Martin AMTV for daily ramblings, musings, occasional giveaways. Uh, yeah, that's me. What about you, Phil? So, so when you say Welsh heritage there, earlier on when we were uh, basically insulting <laughs> you know, the Welsh by saying quiet. we couldn't pronounce yeah. anything, or your family that maybe listened to this at home are sitting there going, well, we don't like him anymore. That's why I kept quiet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I made it good with the Welsh bit by the end of it. I'm in the yeah. good books yeah. again. You're so in the good books. Piece. I've, still, yeah. got, I've <laughs> still got appeasements to make. I think my nah, surname's Welsh, you know. Should... Oh yeah, Davis. Yeah, I need, yeah. I need I to get on that. I need to get on my that. My family's on my that. family's from the West Country um, originally. My dad's family's from the West Country, so that's like almost Wales. It's like it's very close. <laughs> close. It's very yeah, close. close. Everywhere close is almost Wales. Really, when you think about it. <laughs> almost. Almost. Wales, yeah. Um, you can find me on my YouTube channel, Philip Hawkins, talk about Doctor Who and other uh, geeky pop culture like this here. You, uh, this here podcast is on there as well as all of the usual Apple podcasts and podcasting places you can listen to it there where you can just look at some still drawn cartoons of me and Adam that Sophie <laughs> yes. Isles drawed 
Drew, 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 I can't speak. <laughs> um, uh, you can find me there or on Twitter. I am, I'll spell it for you because nobody can ever spell this if I say it. It's I-U-D-E-X underscore Phil, which is pronounced Udex. Um, don't ask. <laughs> um, thank you all for what for watching or listening or whatever you're doing. And we will be back for the beginning of Series 7 um, mm. next week. Good luck, yes. boys. Good luck. See you later. Thank you. See you later.